scripture lesson today comes from Luke 24. Um, for those of you who have been with us um, since Lent uh, at Ash Wednesday, you have now completed all of the Gospel of Luke. Congratulations. Way to go. We are finally uh, to this story. Let's share in God's good word together. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus left heaven and came to earth for outsiders, for outcasts, and even for outlaws, where he breathed his last breath between two criminals and was crucified himself as a criminal of the state. Friends, make no mistake that if Jesus can be for outsiders and outcasts and outlaws, you better believe Jesus can be there for you. You see, friends, heaven is for you. It's for you. Now, this school bus uh, represents a story that I love. It's about the second day of school for a little guy. He had been in preschool. He was uh, come home from kindergarten. He was ready for the next day. And as the boy and his mom waited for the school bus... He started to complain. He said, Mom, I went to kindergarten yesterday. (laughs) His mom patiently explained that, you know, pre-K is two days a week. Kindergarten, you're going to go to school five days a week now. He just looked up and he said, Mom, well, that changes everything. (laughs) And it does. Changes everything. This day changes everything. This is the center of our faith. Friends, the grave is empty. Amen? Amen? Right? Love has won, and Christ is risen. So when I say Christ is risen, you say Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. With all our brothers and sisters around the world. The scripture continues on. It says they were puzzled. They didn't yet understand. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. And the women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. And the men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? Good question. He is not here, but raised up. Then they said, remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed, and on a cross, and on, in three days rise up. And indeed, it was the third day. And then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news of all of this to the eleven and the rest. And who is doing this? Who is at the tomb? Yep, it's the women. No men. Not one. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and say it with me, other women. We don't know how many. We know it's all women. They kept telling these things to the apostles, but the apostles didn't believe a word of it. They were out in hiding. They were afraid. They thought they were making it all up. But Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb, and he stooped to look in. What he saw was just a few grave clothes. That's all. He walked away puzzled. Shaking his head. See, the Easter story is not all that straightforward. It has a lot of mystery around it. It was hard for them to understand. It's still hard for us to understand exactly what happened on Easter morning. But friends, make no mistake. There has been a church that has proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus every day since AD 32. Let that sink in on you. There have been people that have given their life, staked their life, And their entire future on this promise. We're not alone. By the billions and tens of billions of people that have gone before us. 
One of my favorite preachers these days is Reverend Paul Rasmussen from the church Chantel and I used to work for in Dallas. He says, God cannot, listen friends, God cannot and will not break a promise. That is the message of Easter. You can trust the promises of God. Friends, God's character is such that he cannot lie. He cannot break a promise because God's character is truth itself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. So this is great news for us because everyone who's in heaven is there because Jesus wants us to be. Jesus wants us with him. He loves us. He loves you. He loves all the kids on the planet. And we know this about Jesus in particular. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. That's what we know in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I chose you. And of course, as United Methodists, we often uh, don't talk a lot about hell, but the flip side of this is true as well, and that is everyone who's in hell is there because they choose to be. Not because God sent them there, right? Everyone who's in hell is by choice. It is by their choice they choose to be. And one of the ways we know this is, this is my life verse. This is the, my favorite verse. It's hard to find in the Bible because it's, it's really little, but it is perfect, I think. Because this is what I want you to always remember about Jesus, about Easter, and about the Lord, God himself. The Lord is not slow about his promise. As some think of slowness. Friends, God is patient. Love is patient. God is patient with you not wanting any to perish. Not one. That's God's will. That all of us are with him, but all to come to repentance, to turn our life towards Jesus, towards God, to life itself. That's what God wants. The brilliant C.S. Lewis says it like this. Friends, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God as Jesus did and Mary did, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, of course, in the end, well, thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. The gates of hell are locked on the inside. They're locked from the inside. You can get out whenever you want. You can come to Jesus whenever you want. The only people not in the presence of God are those who refuse. Because God loves you, and he won't make you do something you don't want to do. It wouldn't be love. So you have a choice. Choose well. Make no mistake, heaven and hell are both by choice. So Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and knocks, and he's waiting for us to welcome him in. And you don't have to wait till after death. You can do that right now. It can change your life right now. Father Richard Rohr and his monastic community, he writes it like this. He says, do we want to be a part of the wedding feast to which all are invited? The only people who don't get in on the party are those who don't want to come. So I guess we have to ask ourselves, do we want to come? You want to come to the feast? I hear the food's good. (laughs) See, friends, at God's table, there are no nobodies. And anybody can be somebody in Jesus' name. Read this with me. With God, there are no nobodies. And anybody can be somebody in Jesus' name. If you're with him, you're in. It's not about you anyway. It's about him. Jesus says, for the Son of Man, a name he used for himself, came to seek out and save the lost. And when we say the lost, we don't mean that in a bad way. We mean it in a great way. Anything that's lost is valuable. It's valuable. It may not be exactly where it needs to be yet, but it is valuable. And so saving the lost is what Jesus was all about. Saving the lost is what drove Jesus, what drove the start of this church, and what drives us now. Last night I said, you know, the most important person that comes on this campus is the person who's here for the first time. Because that's why we're here. To let people know that God loves them. 
that they are welcome, they are accepted, they are invited, they are precious, and it's like they are valuable, even if they don't yet know it. You see, we are planted here to be used by God to seek the lost, as Jesus did, the hurt, the hungry, the lonely, and the hopeless. We want folks that come here to be able to hope more, not less. I love the way Bob Goff writes it. He says, we can't be good enough or smart enough or nice enough to be loved by God. We just are. We just are. Let that settle in over you for a minute, okay? And you just are. He just loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. He just loves you. Love itself. So because that's true, we welcome all. These are our core values here. We welcome all. We love others authentically. We don't say that we're better than we are. We don't pretend that we're doing worse than we are. We just are who we are. Here today and at Walmart. Both. Hope you're a little nicer at Walmart than you are here sometimes. Right? But it's our witness. It's our witness. So we love authentically and we let our light shine wherever we go. Wherever. We're to be people that are integrated. The same here and there and elsewhere. People of love and grace and mercy and welcome and compassion. But the problem is, as you know all too well, is that life still has its crucifixion moments. Life is still full of pain and senseless suffering. Things that we cannot make sense of. And death. Some of the hardest days of my ministry here have been when some of our little ones have gotten sick. Terribly sick. No fault of their own. It doesn't make sense. And I don't claim to say that I figured it out. It just is a part of life. Suffering is a part of life. And grieving is a part of life. And grieving is simply the price that we pay for loving. The more you love, the more you grieve. The more you love, the more you suffer. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And as you grieve and as you suffer and as you go through pain, you can either go through it alone and angry... A lot of folks do. Or you can go through it with Jesus and his people and find life. Not easy, but you can do it with Jesus. Love itself. You see, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is always the answer. I know it's a Sunday school answer, but he's also always the answer. (laughs) Because heaven is a choice that we make, not a place we find. You get to choose heaven today to be a part of what God is doing. You have the choice to be a part of heaven tomorrow. Be a part of what God is doing. Because Dallas Willard says it like this. Heaven is where what God wants done is done. That's what heaven is. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wherever Jesus is, heaven is. Not a place you find. A place you choose. If make no mistake. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're online, wherever you are, heaven is for you. This is where Christians often get it wrong. They're like, hey, heaven's for me, not for you. No, when I say heaven is for you, I mean heaven's for y'all. That's what I mean. And my friends in Texas say, it's not just y'all, it's for all y'all. All All y'all. That's what we mean when we say heaven is for you. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for every person on the planet. Heaven is for the world, friends. You know this. Now we have to just... Act like it, right? For God so loved the world. What did God love, church people? No. Good people? No. What? The world. The world. 
that he gave his only son Jesus so that, say it with me, everyone who believes in him may not perish. Back to that 2 Peter 3, 9. But may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, in case you missed it on first reference. But in order, say it with me, that the world might be saved through him, through Jesus. Jesus came to us. beautiful thing about Jesus is that it teaches us that God is close. God understands. God is able. Because we worship a God of proximity. When Jesus sees suffering, he goes to it, not away from it. When God sees pain, he comes toward it, not away from it. God sees hard places, broken people, and moves toward us, not away. So if you're hurting, you are not alone. God is right there for you in the worst moments of your life. Ready to receive you, to welcome you, to love you, to forgive you, to show you mercy, to lift you up, to give you comfort in your pain. Friends, never forget, when all else fails, God doesn't. God doesn't. God is almighty, all-powerful, all-wonderful, all-excelling. And we have a cross here at the center of our worship. Not because Jesus is a victim, but because Jesus is the victor. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. His name is Mashos because he is raised. You can't kill him. You just can't. You can't. Jesus is the victor. Frederick Buechner wrote it this way. I love this. He says, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. So, if you're going through something really terrible and you think it's the worst, it's not over not over the worst thing is never the last thing okay pastor marvel why does this matter it may be true so what well i would i would tell you that this easter is more important to me than any other i've ever had and the reason is that on friday march 24th at 10 20 my phone rang as a pastor that's never good but this was different it was the nurse in my dad's household where he lives. And they said, your dad stopped breathing. He's turned blue. He's coded. You probably ought to get here. I go, Ooh, okay. So I called my sister. She lives out in Choctaw. And I said, Deb, you know, I think you're going to want to come. And we said, like, do, well, do, do we tell mom? Because mom lives in another unit. I'm like, yeah. So I'm going to go tell my mom. that We don't really know what's going on with dad. He might be dead, might not be. I mean, it's quite a moment. And so we, Chantel and I drove in. My sister, her husband, her daughter drive in. I go up to mom. I don't really know what to do. And, you know, I'm waking her up. And she says, this great woman of faith, why don't we pray? And we just pray for your dad right here. So we did. It's a holy, sacred moment. And then she said, I think we better go downstairs. We did. We did. And when we entered his room, there we all were. My sister, my brother-in-law, my beautiful niece, my mom, myself, Chantel. You know what my dad said? More lucid than he'd been in three years. Why are y'all here? Why are you here? We said, because you stopped breathing. He's now on oxygen. He, you know, he was in that moment and, and really quite alert, amazingly so. 
He said, could you stop breathing, Dad? He goes, I did? When? Like about two hours ago. He said, oh, how come I didn't know? Because you weren't breathing, Dad. <laughs> no, no. He's a very curious man. He goes, well, how will I know when it happens again? I don't know. So, it to be about 1.30 in the morning. We said, well, we seems to be doing well. All those vitals were great. Oxygen was at 97%. He looked good. Better than he'd looked in a long time. Miraculously. He said, Mom, you want, you want, want us to take you back upstairs? She goes, no, I'll stay. I'm going to stay here. My mom stayed by his bedside till 3 in the morning. Just talking and reminiscing and loving and really telling Dad for the first time that he could go on, that he had done well. Good and faithful servant. The family be all right. Come back Saturday, riders rain. But before we left, Chantel, he loves Chantel, and um, she grabbed his foot. She said, love you, Dad. He goes, what? <laughs> she goes, I love you. He looked at her and he goes, thanks. <laughs> he wasn't a big I love you guy. But he liked it when he told him. So one of the things you need to know about Chantel is that she's the one person in our family system that answers her phone. <laughs> so she gets all the calls. You know, often I'm with, you know, folks in congregation in need. I don't have a phone on to interrupt that. My sister's an educator. She doesn't have her phone on when she's teaching her kids. And so Chantel gets the important calls in our family. And so um, the day before, she had gone to El Paso to a, a beautiful mission of the United Methodist Church called Lydia Patterson Institute. I hope you'll Google it. It's an amazing work. So she, it was a quick trip. She flew down. She's flying back the next night. And so uh, she went down Tuesday, and she's going to come home Wednesday night. And so she calls me in just a little bit. On Wednesday morning, I did what I always did. On March 29th at 9 a.m., I have a, a little brown chair, a little devotional book, and I've got my phone, and I was reading the daily devotions. The R&Rs are really good, actually. I don't write them. Um, Dr. Grill writes them. Brandon, Courtney, Michael, they all write them. They're amazing. And so I was reading the one for Wednesday. You can go back and look at it on March 29th. And this is what it said. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children uh, with his brother. That was the law from Deuteronomy. And they're trying to trick him, trying to trap him. And they said, now, there were seven brothers. You can almost see Jesus go, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) Now, the first married and died childless, and then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. And in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife? Will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Guys, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. Did you catch that, friends? They cannot die. They cannot die anymore being children of God, children of the resurrection. That's a big so what. That's a big why. So I just finished reading that devotion, and uh, the house was quiet, of course. Our boys are grown and gone. Uh, Our little puppy, Peanut, had died about a month before. 
Uh, for those of you who didn't know, I'm not trying to get sympathy, just, just putting it there. Um, so uh, he's great. And um, so I'm just sitting there. At 9.18, my phone rings at Chantel. I'm like, oh, great, she's going to tell me about her day. And she is weeping. She said, I, I, don't, I hate to tell you this, but your dad died. Oh, okay. She said, do you want me to call Deb? Or have, they, they offered to have the social worker go and tell your mom. I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll call him. So I call my sister. She's already at work. You know, she's, she's teaching her kids, and um, she's got to get all that ready to go and, and get out. And she'd done that beautifully, gotten herself ready for that. And it was the most amazing thing when I called my sister, knowing that I would have to tell my mom that my dad had passed. I had the most amazing peace in the panic. It was just peaceful. I was able to just talk to my sister and talk it out, and we were going to try to coordinate it where you know, she's coming in from Choctaw, I'm coming in from our house, uh, and getting mom, getting her dressed, getting her down, getting her ready, all that stuff. And then just two minutes later, um, it was the most amazing thing. I called my sister. I knew she was on her way. And I don't know if you all remember that Wednesday, but it was gorgeous. It was a lot of, like today, like no wind in Oklahoma. You know, the, like you get five of them a year. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most amazing thing. I mean, I was, I was really sad and grieving and, and hurting. But somehow, with that scripture in my mind, I went from grieving to grateful. I was grateful to God. I was grateful for my dad. I was grateful for my sister. I was grateful for my mom. And the scripture goes on. It says this, and the fact that the dead are raised... Moses himself, Jesus says, in the story about the burning bush, where he speaks of the Lord God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. That's our God. That's what I was reading. For to him, all of them are alive. All of them are alive. I, I you know, put my phone down. I walked outside. I looked to the heavens. The sun was shining right in my backyard. It was amazing. And this is what I shouted out to the Lord. Our Lord is the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of John. John Foster. God of my dad. It was awesome. And he's the God of your loved one, which you've lost. He's the God of the living, not of the dead, Jesus says. And here are Master's words on that. He's God of the living. And if you've lost somebody, this is good news. And if you're not dead yet, this is good news for you too. It's good news. But here's the thing I want you to know. This is not, when we talk about heaven around here, we don't talk about later. We talk about now. And this is the way God works in my life. This is why Easter is so important to me. I want to share it with you. So, it wasn't easy going to my mom. And she kind of knew that when I show up, you know, around 9 in the morning, it's not good. That wasn't our normal. We normally come for dinner. And so we get dressed, we go down. I wasn't sure whether she'd want to see him or not, uh, but she and my sister did, so we were going to meet. Trying to coordinate that, some come from another city is kind of tricky. And so we did, we got her, we're coming down, me, me and mom. And so my sister and I had decided that we would call when we got there so we could meet, so we could go in together. And so mom and I are coming down the hall, and I call my sister and I hear it ring about seven feet in front of me. I can't see her. She's in the hall there. But at the exact moment we needed to be together, we were together. We were all right there. 
And at 9.46 that Wednesday morning, not once did we worry. We were sad, but we weren't worried. Not once were we in despair. Mom knew what was going on. Dad knew what was going on. Jesus is the answer, friends. He's the peace and purpose in your pain. He turned despair to delight. Now, make no mistake. Loss, yes. Lost, no. Have I cried? Oh, yeah. My sister cried? Yeah. Mom, of course. Sad. But not lost. There's a difference. And my dad knew this very well. One of the greatest gifts that my dad gave me is these little cards that he typed up by hand. And he used them at, at funeral services, and he used them particularly at gravesides. Any of you who are pastors have ever done a graveside service, you know how tricky that is in the Oklahoma wind. You can't really use papers. I mean, it's hard. I don't know that I could memorize all of it. So I had these little cards that I use. And my dad would always use the 23rd Psalm. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no fear, no evil. And he would quote a poet named Mary Brainerd. And so this is the poem that he would read at the close of his services. So I'd go on not knowing. I would not if I might. I would rather walk in the dark with God than walk alone in the light. I would rather walk with him by faith than walk alone by sight. And then dad, in his own words, would close with this. He says, and so we say with the psalmist, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, not because there's no evil, Not because there is no death, but because thou art with me. Emmanuel, God with us. The greatest gift. And so as the funeral home came to to take dad, it's time for mom to go back up to her room. For the first time. Alone. Not anybody there to greet her, just her. Man, I had not really noticed it before. But on her door, she's had this for years, um, is this little thing. It hangs up there. It, she changes out season for season, you know, like Christmas, you know, Valentine's, Easter. But for the first time, I noticed at the bottom, it has John eleven twenty five. 25. I'm a little embarrassed as a pastor tell you this. I had no idea what that said. <laughs> so I Googled it. You can do that. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't have my Bible on me. Come on. You know what it says? I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. That's the first thing my mom saw. She came up. And I knew she was going to be all right. And every day that she goes in her room, comes out of her room, goes in her room, comes out of the room, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Say with me. I am the resurrection and the life. Easter matters, friends. It matters. So here's your action step. And this can be for anybody. Just ask Jesus to be the answer to your problem. Really, whatever it is you're going through, ask him, say, Jesus, come into this. Don't get me out of it. Come into it. Do whatever you need to do. And I'm going to step back and watch you work. And if you say, I want you to do something, then do it. Because often you're a part of the process of healing and helping. But ask God to come into your problem. You know why? Because he's able. He is able. He is able. Say it with me. 
he is able. Yes, yes. And so when it comes to Easter, when it comes to the resurrection, I've said it before. Let me say it again. Because I don't just believe in it. I'm counting on it. I hope you will too. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.